Pavement's Battle Scars by Onyx and Elm. Chapter 43 February 22nd, 1999 They don't deliberate. They muse and mull and drag their way through it, as if they know each and every second has Hermione grinding away another thin layer of her teeth. Her jaw aches, her eyes itch and sting. She stares resolutely at the base of Burbage's podium, because glancing to her left is out of the question right now. And all the while, the same word bounces back and forth off the walls of her head. Why? 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 She's not a fool. She has no misgivings about the human heart. No silly daydreams about love at first sight. People don't fall that way. Not very often. And she's convinced the ones that do have actually just suffered some sort of synapse malfunction. An ill-timed dopamine release. Most people, like her, like him, take a lot more convincing. Malfoy didn't love her on that cold marble floor. Those eyes she stared into, through the strain, through tears, with a knife carving into her skin, they weren't the eyes of a lover. There was just fear. Hers and his. Fear and desperation and disbelief and just this silent plea of please. Please, you know me. We were classmates. Please. And at the time, she thought that plea went unanswered. At the time, everything sort of fit. Malfoy made her life a living hell in school, so why would he lift a finger now? It fit. It fit. This doesn't. Her eyes glaze over, losing focus, and the podium starts to morph into too long of the stairs she stares at it. She doesn't even realise she's tracing the letters of her scar until the ragged edge of one of her fingernails, bitten raw over the past few weeks, snags on the rough skin and sends a jolt of pain up her arm. She blinks her eyes back into focus and glances down at it, watching a little fresh bead of blood trickle down over the word blood itself. Poison. How could she not have known? How could she not have felt it seeping into her, even amongst all that pain? How could she have missed it leaching through her skin, in and then back out again? How could she have missed Malfoy's moving lips? She thought she remembered everything about that day. Instinctively, her eyes flit left before she can stop them. He's staring back at her through the bars. Bloodshot, hoarse, heaving. A single strand of blood dangles between his piercing eyes, sweat-soaked. She's seen Malfoy in a lot of states, she thinks, but never like this. Even half-frozen to death. Even in a fit of rage, he's never looked quite like this. Look what you've done he says, low and breathless. Quiet enough, it's only for her ears. Hermione's barely conscious of the rest of the room. It seems to fall away when faced with the look in his eyes. Even as Burbage calls out, We have reached our verdict! She finds she's only half listening. Can't tear her gaze away. The words probation and damages glide across the podium to her, but they're meaningless. Words that don't make sense. All she can hear is him. Look what you've done, he murmurs again. Now, it was all for nothing. Harry has to talk her through what happened. 
Everything after Malfoy's cage sank back below the ground is a blur in her memory, but apparently there was quite the uproar. Many witches and wizards, not just Dawlish, had crammed their way into that trial to watch Malfoy fall. As Harry explains it, some of them actually tried to throw things at the Wizengamoth before being escorted out. But that part she understands. What she doesn't understand is why she isn't already in front of the podium again, this time for Thid or not. They postponed it, Harry says, clutching her shoulders gently as though to keep her upright. They're still in the Ministry Atrium. I... I don't understand, she manages. Unforeseen circumstances, says Harry. It's been postponed indefinitely, probably because of all the chaos in there. They said you'll be notified when they're ready to move forward. It takes her a moment, and then she's nobbling numbly. All she can think to ask is, How's Pansy? Harry offers her a wry, winded smile. She's... Um, less than pleased. It wasn't pretty, but I told her it'd just give you more time to prepare his defence. She nods again. Thank you. Miney. He gives her shoulders a shake. You've won. I know it was a lot to take in, but you did it. You won. Then why doesn't it feel that way? She just nods a third time, plasters a full smile on her face. Malfoy is not allowed to leave with them. The Ministry claims he is to be formally discharged, and it takes Harry a long while and lots of tugging to get Hermione's feet to move. Part of her doesn't believe they'll really let him go. When they make it back to the Great Hall, Harry insists she come back with him to Gryffindor for a nap, but he hasn't even finished his sentence and she's already turning in the direction of the dungeons. It leaves him with a squeeze of his shoulder. Her feet take her to the false wall instinctively, her infamous knock echoing down the corridor. They all know it by now. But this time it's... different. This time, when Blaze finds her at the door, there's no air of disinterest. No mocking smile. No sense of unwelcome as she steps past him into the Slytherin common room. She recognises most of the students spread out across the room now, one she never knew the names of before, probably because she's defended more than half of them. And this time, as their eyes follow her to the corner of the leather sofa she always takes, she doesn't feel like a target. Her eyes stumble on Adrian Pusey as she takes her seat. At first she thinks it's a trick of the light. But no, that's a nod she saw. A nod from him. She blinks back at him for too many seconds, stunned. Finally forces herself to tip her head in return. Adrian looks back down at his book like nothing happened. But her word is tipping on its axis. Keeps tipping as Blaze appears in front of her again holding out a glass of fire whiskey. Thank you, she says, a little dazed as she takes it. Acta non verba, is his response. Her brows bunch together. For a moment, she thinks he's offering a sort of cryptic comment on the situation. Deeds, not words, the Latin means. She knows that much. But then he says, it's the password. And when she blinks stupidly up at him, he just tilts his head at the door. She just came through. We had it changed this morning. His lip curves up, just barely on one side, a half-smile. Don't need to knock any more. He leaves her open-mouthed in his wake as he heads up the stairs to the dormitories. And she literally has to sit back, stares at her lap and takes a moment to fully grasp it. 
trust, she finally realises. It's trust. The same trust she now has for them. All of them. A trust that allows her to nearly drift off half an hour later, on their couch, in their territory. But her eyes have barely slipped up to when she falls, and the false wall gives way again. She jerks up, head whipping to the entryway. And there he is. Hermione jumps up to her feet. The noises of the common room cut off abruptly, all eyes lifting to the two of them. His clothes are dirty, torn, somehow more noticeable now than they were in the cage. His black eye still hasn't fully healed, but he's here. He's here. She's barely formed a smile when she puts together the expression on his face. He's furious. She can see it, not just in his eyes or in the set of his jaw, but in the way his chest heaves up and down with every breath. A few unwitting Slytherins actually stand up to greet him, only backing off when they see his face. And all the while, he doesn't take his piercing eyes off her. She doesn't dare move. Doesn't speak. Not until he grits out. Can I have a word? And juts his chin over his shoulder, voice tight. It's probably unwise to go anywhere with him right now, but she hasn't seen him in weeks without the separation of bars between them, and the concept of being face to face again eventually wins her over. She follows him out, the silence of the common room dull and hollow in their wake. Malfoy doesn't look back even once as he leads her through the corridors. A few students still milling about in the late afternoon actually jump upon seeing him, either because of his state or because they never expected him back. She realises she should be nervous, perhaps even afraid. As he stalks out into the courtyard, a shadow long and thin in the dying light. There are only a handful of reasons they'd need so much seclusion. She doesn't stop, though, and not as he continues down the hill and further still to the steps that lead to the boathouse. The memories that flood through her at the sight of it make her breath hitch, but she doesn't say a word, only follows in silence the whole way down the steep stone stairs. This will be their reckoning. She can tell as much from the angle of his shoulders as he walks, from the fists he keeps gathered at his sides flexing them once as they cross the threshold into the small enclosure. But even when he stops walking, standing statuesque at the far end of the boathouse, there's still at least a full minute of silence, every second of it spent with his back to her. Then, at last, Are you happy? It's a snarl, low and quiet. Hermione's surprised how quickly the cold laugh tumbles off her lips. Am I what? Happy, he repeats, slowly turning to face her. Satisfied. Proud of yourself. She had a sense he tried to take this road. Even in her days as she left the ministry, she'd considered it. Malfoy doesn't take to being helped. Even his mother acknowledges it. Yes, she says, taking a few calculated steps towards him. The intensity of his breathing seems to kick up a notch with each one. I'd say so. Actually, I'd say I'm very proud. Another few steps, leaving only a metre or so between them. Especially considering I managed it without so much as an ounce of help from you. And even as she says it, even as his nostrils flare, 
She feels that it's wrong. It wasn't supposed to go this way. She didn't want it to go this way. Because no matter how absurd he is, no matter how selfish and pig-headed and stubborn, she can't erase what she saw in that courtroom. He saved her. She forces her face to soften, taking another more timid step towards him, makes herself say it aloud. You saved me, and what good is it now? he hisses. So sharply and so abruptly she's tempted to take a step back. After what you did, I told you, I warned you, I made you swear not to, to what? she splutters, spreading her arms wide. Return the favour. Why can't you save me, but I can't save you? Two more steps, and then they're nearly chest to chest. Again, she tries to soften. Malfoy, it's... It's over now. Once I go back for Theo, it's over... If you're stupid enough to think this is over, then I guess you're not the brightest witch of your age. She blinks at him for a moment, at a loss. They're killing anyone who defends us. And you've made yourself a prime target. You... You've gone and fucked everything. He huffs an unfriendly laugh in her face. How could you be so selfish? The slap is hard and unforgiving. So fast she barely even realises she's done it. But she sees the colour bloom in his cheek. Feels the sting spreading across her palm. Shock and fury flash through his gaze. She opens her mouth to defend herself. Malfoy's hand finds her throat in an instant, taking hold and twisting to force her back against the stone wall. Her gasp is choked, shoved out of her chest by the impact. Her hands fly up to pry at his fingers as he squeezes tight and draws in close, puts them nose to nose. Is this what you want from me? It's only a murmur, but his tone is as deadly as his grip. You want me like this? He flexes his fingers once, allowing a single breath to trickle in before squeezing again. Why? Why? Why do you always make me do this? Hermione manages to dig her nails in enough to slip a few fingers under his, sucking down gulps of air. But she can't bring herself to surrender, can't bring herself to back down, even as the blood in her head starts to rush. You're the selfish one, she wheezes, almost enjoying the way his eyes spark and narrow. Whatever the reason, though, he lets his hand drop lower on her throat, no longer crushing her windpipe, just holding her in place, almost like he's daring her to continue. Her head is spinning, but she will. Damn him, she will! Spoilt little rich boy, she pants, sneering at him. She bares her teeth, even as alarm bells blare in her head. This isn't you. This isn't you, they cry, but it feels so good, too good, going for the kill. Can't stand to be disobeyed. Can't stand the thought of someone other than Daddy coming to his rescue. Malfoy's searing eyes flash, and he yanks her head away from the wall enough to fist his free hand in her hair. He yanks hard, dragging on her scalp. She just feels encouraged. Doesn't know how to behave, she hisses, eyes watering. Doesn't know how to say thank you. Thank you, he seethes, 
pulling harder until she can't help a little pain squeak. Oh, I'm not going to thank you. He's so close his nose is slotted against hers. So close her eyes have the treacherous urge to flutter shut, because normally when he's this close, she gets to taste him, and she shouldn't want to taste him. Make no mistake, he growls, and he has the nerve to nuzzle her cheek as he says it, a threat wrapped in affection. If you get yourself taken away from me, I will kill you. Do you understand? She swallows a heavy breath by mistake. I will bring you back from the brink of death if I have to, and then I will fucking kill you, just so I can do it myself. There's a gap of rigid silence, with only their ragged breaths to fill the space. And she has no explanation, no excuse. But it's her head that tilts back, her lips that seek out his, slot against and seize them like a lost possession. It forces a strangled sound out of his throat, and it sends a chill through her as his grip on her neck goes slack. His mouth parts against hers like it doesn't want to. Like the very concept of a kiss infuriates him at this moment. But then his teeth sink into her lower lip, dragging it and releasing it with a wet, filthy sort of sound that makes her thighs quiver. And for a moment he just lets his forehead rest against hers pants into her face as his hand slides down her collarbone, hesitating over her thudding pulse. The scent of peppermint clouds around them. You're going to ruin my fucking life, Malfoy breathes, a finger tracing absent circles in the skin of her chest. The other hand, still buried in her curls, spreads its fingers to scrape its nails along her scalp. She hisses through her teeth, eyes falling shut. Goose flesh spreads across her like wildfire. You... you're... she stutters, a tongue tripping over itself as his hand drags a slow path down between her breasts, over her stomach, landing low, too low, on her hip. You're the one doing the ruining. It's like... Ah! She gasps as his head dips suddenly, teeth grazing the spot just below her jaw. It's like... You want it ruined. He mouths at the spot for a moment, huffs a laugh, then puts his lips at her ear. Maybe, he whispers, breath hot against the too sensitive skin. She clenches her thighs together. But only by you. She squirms as his hands glide past her hip and down her leg, fingers curling under the hem of her ministry-approved pencil skirt. And then she starts to shake as he traces the bare skin of her inner thigh, walking those fingers up the last few inches towards the apex. Going to let me in, he murmurs, a tongue lashing at her earlobe. She spreads her legs instantly, her head falling back into his hand, and Malfoy just laughs, low and dark into her ear, even as his hands slide home between her thighs. And look at you. You don't even fight back any more. Her breaths are coming in desperate little puffs, a tremor riding up her spine as he applies just the faintest pressure over her underwear. But she still feels the pulse of indignation. With the hand not hopelessly tangled into his hair, she reaches out and gropes him hard, harder than she knows she should, earning a cut grunt out of him. Want me to? she sneers. 
bitch, he hisses, but she can feel him growing harder against her palm. She lets loose a breathy sigh as he adds more pressure to the lace between her legs, dropping her head forward onto his shoulder, losing focus. You smell like prison, she mumbles against his shirt collar. He responds by yanking her underwear to the side, rough pads of his fingers finding her clit like they're magnetised. She jerks violently against him. And you smell wet, he says. It's meant to be snide, but it's more a groan than anything, because he gathers up the moisture and uses it to push two fingers inside. Yes, she gasps, forgetting it's not a question. She shifts to loop both her arms around the back of his neck, not even shy as she starts to grind her hips into his hand, rising and falling with each slow pump of his fingers. He groans against her shoulder, and she does it, picking up the place and licking the stripe up her neck. God, I hate you. It just slips out. Forever she'll blame it on the way his fingers curl up, find that spot that make her eyes roll back into her head. But she knows that's not why it's said. But I love you. She thinks she has for a while. Just like he loves her. His reaction's not what she's expecting. To his credit, Malfoy... Draco, he's inside of you. Draco. Always manages to surprise her. He tears his fingers out, and the loss is unbelievably painful for a moment. It leaves her wanton and desolate until he takes her jaw in his hand, wet with her essence and pressing hard into her skin, and forces her to meet his suddenly burning gaze. Look at me. Look at me! She stares wide-eyed, doesn't dare blink. Don't you fucking say it unless you mean it. The urge to correct him is surprisingly immediate. She has to stop the words halfway up her throat, just to get the chance to think. And it's admittedly hard to think right now, throbbing the way she is. But he's giving her an out, not even hiding it. The one time, the only opportunity to take it back which is more than she can say she did for him. No, she backed down, backed away, ran, like a coward. But here he is, pressing bruises into her skin and daring her to step on his heart, throwing himself on the grenade. And they probably both know she should take the offer. It'd be best for everyone, might even save some lives. She shuts her eyes. Breathes deeply, channeling every last drop of fearlessness she possesses before she opens them again. His gaze hasn't moved an inch, unwavering, but she meets it head on. She's done saving lives. I mean it. And God, the way he bears his teeth, like he plans on making her regret it. Then say it, he demands, a threat. I mean it. No! Abruptly he shoves her skirt up over her hips, rough enough to punish, to hurt, and she can hear the fabric tear. Don't play games with me. She only notices his hands are shaking when he goes for the fasten on his trousers, and her pulse starts to hammer in anticipation. Her mouth runs dry. Say it again, he growls, just before he performs a rather impressive bit of wandless magic. One moment her stomach glows pink, 
and the next she's up in his arms, legs spread. Hitched up over his hips as he lines her up, hands carving into her backside as he presses her back against the wall. The friction is unbearable. She tries so hard. It's humiliating how hard she tries to grind against him, wanting him inside, wanting to fill the void. But he's got her pinned too tightly to allow it. Hermione. His voice has dropped to a whisper. Full of malice, full of hatred that doesn't match, doesn't coexist with the way her heart swells at the sound of her name on his lips. She's realising it doesn't matter how he says it, as long as it's him. Say it. Swallowing her fear, swallowing her pride, she meets his eyes again the way one meets an enemy on the battlefield. I love you. Draco lets the words hang in the air for a fraction of a second. Enough time for her to smirk in his face. A challenge. Something feral rips out of his throat, and the next instant he's inside of her. She chokes on something halfway between a moan and a shriek. Her body's forgotten him. Has to familiarise itself with the way they interlock all over again. Stretches. Accommodates. But she hasn't forgotten the way he presses himself in close, nestling into the crook of her neck, blasting hot breaths against her flesh as he pulls out and drives back in. Slow, so torturously slow, the first time. I thought you were smart, he groans. It's muffled by her skin, and he follows it up with an impossibly delicious, desperate kind of sound. Like he's wounded, like he's losing control. He bites and sucks at her neck as he starts to thrust in hard. The type of hard that sees their hip bones colliding. Bruising. Uh, so did... God, they're right there. So did I. The need to kiss him is suddenly overwhelming. She struggles to unlock her wrists from around his neck, gasping as the shift invites him in deeper. Her hands scramble for purchase, skating across his chest and up along the smooth cords of muscle lining his throat, finally finding the cool planes of his face and dragging him away from her neck. Please, please, I... She cuts herself off when her mouth finds his, and she doesn't care that their teeth clash, too eager, doesn't care that she tastes the blood of his split lip. She only cares about the warmth of his tongue as it curls around hers. The exquisite pressure as he sucks and licks and bites. It makes the muscles in her lower abdomen clench around him, and he rewards her with another strangled groan, this one into her mouth. Fuck. The rhythm of his hips stutter, then pick back up again faster, harder, sending little shockwaves down her legs and up her spine and she must short-circuit somehow, because the oddest thing pops through her head. Draco, I... Oh, I just realised... Oh, God! He doesn't cut the rhythm. Not even a fraction. Even as he grinds out... What? In a breathless, irritated tone. I... We've... We've never done it in a bed! This does make him pause. Halfway sheathed inside her, and it's both a breather and a unique sensation all its own, making her swirl her hips a bit to get a feel for it. He hisses and grips her waist hard to make her stop. Panting against her mouth, 
then quietly, do you want to fuck me in a bed? The thought floods her with a gelatinous wave of pleasure. Yes. Fine, he says, but panic rips through her when he starts to pull out. No, no! She probably scratches him, and grabbing at him the way she does, hands fisting in his shirt. Any other day she'd hate herself for begging, but right now she can't bring herself to care. Don't stop! Please! Don't stop! Don't stop! And she's actually rather impressed with herself when she manages to shift her hips upwards, even at the strange angle, taking him in hungrily, as deep as she can. Not now! She pants, and one hand freeing his shirt to card through his sweat-damp hair. Later! Later, please! He punishes her by hesitating, waits until she actually whimpers before starting up the rhythm again, and then buries his face in her curls. Make up your fucking mind, he huffs, but she can hear the smirk in his voice. Uh, there, right there, harder, please, please, harder. She's been reduced to single word sentences. He starts to dive into her at a pace that aches, and she lets her nails scrape down from his scalp to his lower back. The hitch in his breath is enough to tell her to do it again. And that throb starts to build, reaching, crawling, trying to crest that hill. I'm close, I'm close, Draco, please, I'm so close. She's a broken record now. His lips find her ear, and between hushed whispers of, come, come for me, he sucks and bites at her earlobe. It undoes her. With a sharp cry, she tenses up against him, and feels the pressure explode hips gyrating out of control, spasming, pulsing, and she shakes the clutches at him to keep from falling. He doesn't let her fall, and not even when she feels his muscles coil and lock, when he suddenly drives in deeper than she thought he could, coming with a pain sort of yelp that's so vulnerable it's almost heartbreaking. Her heart slams in her chest as they sink down from the high together, her cheeks flushed, sweat dripping down the back of her neck. For a moment, it's just the silence. The silence and their staggered breathing and the quiet lapse of waves against the boathouse dock. Then Draco pulls his face from the crook of her neck, eyes closed as he drags his nose gently against hers. Again, he says words that don't match up. Quietly, lovingly. I don't forgive you. She releases a shuddering breath against his lips. I didn't apologise. Chapter 44 February 2nd, 1999 The sheets clinging to the damp, naked flesh of her side are slithering green, and she's thinking that should feel stranger than it does. She's always had bad timing, always had bizarre epiphanies and aimless trains of thought strike at the worst moments and this feels like the absolute worst moment to be wondering what her fifteen-year-old self would be thinking. This moment, with Draco Malfoy's strong pale hands splayed across her bare hip, holding her in place, with her knee hitched up high to accommodate and her hair clinging to the pillow with sweat, with those slithering green sheets gathered into her fist as her breath catches around a moan, with him pressed against her back, quiet gasps sweeping across the nape of her neck as he slides in and out, slowly, 
slower than he ever has, because she asked him to. And yet she's wondering all the same. Figures her fifteen and sixteen and even seventeen-year-old selves would all be horrified to find that their future held a moment like this, because surely the universe can't have titled so far on its axis that she started spending time with a serpent, adorned in his bed curtains as those warm electric pulses surge up through between her thighs. Surely it can't be Malfoy, Draco, she's letting do this. Surely it can't feel the way it feels. But it is, and it does, and it's sunken in before, but never quite this deep, because before, every time always felt so spur of the moment, unexpected collisions in even less expected places. This, however, this is deliberate, letting him tow her along the deserted corridors and down the all-too-familiar dungeon steps, letting him lead her wordlessly through the common room, a few Slytherins still awake, none of them even looking up, watching him cast silencing charms around his four-poster, with a sleeping form of Blaze the Beanie not two metres to the left, and a part of her is realising why she blurted out those ridiculous words in the boathouse. To her, the bed is a symbol, and Hermione has never shared a bed, a real bed, with anyone, not with Victor, not with Ron, not even just asleep. There's something too personal about it, too vulnerable. It's incredibly different from those pillows on the floor of the divination classroom. It's as if... Draco's lips glide from the pulse point on her throat to the shell of her ear, grip tightening on her hip ever so slightly as he rocks in a little deeper, still so torturously slow. If you're going to solve puzzles in your head while I'm inside of you he murmurs, voice a little ragged. The least you could do is include me. Hermione tilts her head, nose brushing his unexpectedly. She speaks against the corner of his mouth, each slow thrust moving her lips across his cheek. You want to help me solve a puzzle? His hand frees her hip, palms splaying out across her thigh, sliding up along the tendons to the crease behind her knee. The delicate of it mixed with the way he rolls his hips makes her shiver and buck against him. Well, yes, if it's so much more interesting. He slides into the hilt, jolting the breath out of her, than this. She's left panting for several seconds, eyes falling shut as she fists the sheet tighter in her hand. The word, faster, falls from her lips in a hiss. Draco hums into her shoulder. Odd, I seem to remember you begging me to go slow. She scoffs instinctively, the jerk of it providing interestingly with the way they're connected. He tenses, she groans. I did not beg you for anything. His lips part against her pulse, teeth grazing skin as he speaks in a breathy croon meant to be her own. Please, oh please, please, Draco, fuck me slow. She grinds herself back against him in a way that's supposed to be indignant, but earns a moan from both of them instead. I never said that, she gasps out. Please, he mocks in a whine, please, please, please. And she would be pulling away, swatting at his arm and giving him a dirty look, 
if he weren't punctuating each word with a languid, angled thrust. Instead, her eyes roll back in her head, and she pushes herself tighter against him, tucking her nose into the crook of his neck to press a kiss to his throat. She tastes salt and finds herself tracing her tongue over the spot in search of more. Oh, now I have your attention, he murmurs, deep vibrations against her lips. You never lost it. He goes still inside her, just hovers there for a long moment, his dark shadow draped over her side, and she has a feeling he's talking about something else entirely when he says, I don't believe you. His tone makes her shift away, even as every muscle and every nerve ending in her body begs her not to. That strange, throbbing emptiness takes its place when he slides out, and she feels abruptly cold as she twists in the emerald green sheets to face him. The only light by which to see him comes from the thin silver of the sea glow, sweeping through the crack in the bed curtains. It paints a quarter of his face blue, the rest left in shadow, but she can see his right eye, it can see the bruises, part of the reason she wanted to face away in the first place. "'What don't you believe?' she whispers, resting her head on the pillow. He stays propped on one elbow, staring at her. For a moment he doesn't answer, letting the rougher than usual pads of his fingers trace the hollow beside her hip bone. He glances down, watching the movements as he speaks. You say one thing, and you do another. I, you tell me we're the same, but you spend all your time trying to remind yourself why we're different. That's not... His palm flattens out over her bare stomach, the soft caress surprising her into silence. You say you'd pick me out of a room of hundreds, he continues, still watching his hands slide back and forth. And then you run. A lump forms in her throat and he lets that hand drift downward, disappearing beneath the sheets. His eyes flit back to hers when one finger slides between her legs, still warm, still wet from moments ago, and she can't help but twitch as she holds her breath. You fuck me in a hospital bed, he says softly, always speaking in tones that don't match, and his forefinger starts to draw torturous circles around her clit. You let me have you first, I couldn't believe it when I saw you bleed. I thought you were lying. She gasps sharply when his thumb slips inside of her. You let me have you first, he says again. But you can't bear the thought of anyone knowing it. Her mind wants to turn to static, ripples of pleasure shooting up her spine. But she wakes up enough to defend herself. I changed my... Yes, you changed your mind, I know. Draco lets the back of his thumb press hard against her inner walls, and her back arches, hands coming to rest on his chest without knowing it. I'm only making a point. What? God! What is your point? She's hardly focused now, all efforts diverted to angling her hips so she can press harder against his hand. You say you love me, he whispers, going still. She freezes too, holds her breath but all you ever do is cause me pain. He stares at her out from beneath those blonde lashes, unapologetic, blinking slowly as he watches her process his words. After a moment, she releases that breath, and it tussles the damp hair hanging around his forehead. 
pain, she echoes at first, because it's all she can think to say. His eyes flit back and forth between each of hers, as though he's reading her like a chapter in a book, a chapter he doesn't understand. Yes, he says. Pain. But when his jaw grazes hers and he leans in to kiss her, she finds herself pulling away, because there's something she's been wanting to do, to try. And if it can somehow simultaneously prove him wrong, then that's two birds with one stone. But God above what a thing it is to watch all his defences fly up in just that slight movement. Fear and fury and doubt cloud up in his eyes as they break away from hers, like he suddenly can't stand to have her look at him, and it's simply too sharp and painful to witness for even half a second longer. With twice his enthusiasm, she surges forward and captures those lips. His small gasp makes way for her tongue to slide in, caressing the sharp edges of his teeth, the soft warmth of the roof of his mouth. It's a more filthy kiss than she thinks she would have ever dared before, but after a day like today she feels very little still exists in the way of limits. She slips one hand across his forehead between them, being careful not to press too hard on the bruises as she smooths out each crease of worry. So quick to doubt me, she murmurs around the lash of his tongue. His arms have curled around her now, and he's giving back as good as he gets, starting to press her down into the mattress. Wait, she says, breaking away from his lips once more. Because if she lets him settle between her thighs, she'll never get the chance to try what she wants to, and before the doubt can creep back across his face, she strokes her hand down the sharp plane of his cheek and tells him, Trust me. He does. Enough to allow her to slide out from under him. Enough to turn and sit back against his headboard, raising a curious brow as she sets about finding her wand in the messy pile of their clothes. I've never seen you like this. His voice is quiet and low, contemplative, as he watches her conjure her hair tie and set about gathering her chaotic mane into something manageable. With my hair up? she asks trying not to get distracted by the angled slopes of his shoulders, now more visible in that sliver of light. He shakes his head and she realises where his gaze is trained, and flushes red as she glances down at her bare torso, the sheets gathered around her waist. "'You see me naked all the time,' she says, resting the powerful urge to cover herself. Draco may have said he loved her, but he has never explicitly called her beautiful, and she's wondering now if he notices the slightly larger swell of one breast as opposed to the other, and the clumsy smattering of freckles in the valley between them. She wonders if it bothers him that she doesn't have more to offer in this department. But I never get to look, he says, and again it's like he's reading, eyes sweeping back and forth across every available inch of skin. She starts to itch with it, growing nervous, and she can't be nervous if she plans to follow through on this. So she swallows and wets her suddenly dry lips and makes herself ask, And what do you think? The last thing she expects is a scoff. You know what I think, he drawls, and shaking his head, sharp and dismissive. She swallows again, infinitely more nervous now. No, you've never told me. Something passes through his gaze at that. There's a slight quiver in his brows. 
and he readjusts his posture where he sits, silent for a long moment. Then, I've shown you what I think. Her pulse settles a little in her chest, but she's still far from satisfied. She urges herself to sit tall and push him to his limits. I'd like to hear what you think, if you don't mind. His lip curls up at the snark in her tone, eyes narrowing just a fraction, and for the briefest moment it feels like they're back in first year, testing and riling one another. Oh, if I don't mind. Yes, if you don't mind. She sits up even straighter, internally hyperconscious that she's on full display for him. Draco crosses his arms, letting his head fall back against the headboard and surveying her through lowered lids. His expression exudes superiority and arrogance, and for just a moment she well and truly panics. Because what if this is one of those moments he chooses to air out the ugliness between them? Well, Granger, if you must know... He all but hisses, and it takes everything in her not to squeeze her eyes shut, not to yank the sheet up over herself and hide. I used to imagine you. Her expectations fly out of the window. What? Draco shifts with discomfort, glancing down at the sheets in favour of looking at her and tugging on a stray thread. In third year. He continues, tone still sharp and somewhat indignant. Father was suddenly around less, busy with meetings. I'm sure you know what sort. I suddenly didn't have to spend nearly as much time trying to best St. Potter, because I knew I wouldn't get a scathing letter every time his marks were half a point better than mine. She feels a stab of something. Guilt? She thinks he'd murder her if he knew it was sympathy, judging by the way he shoves past the subject. I had time on my hands, that I'd never had before, and lots of space in my head he wasn't taking up any longer. A quick glance her way, and then back at the seam of the sheet he's unravelling. I was thirteen, he says with a shrug. I didn't know what was wrong with me. I just knew I constantly felt like I had to sneak off to broom cupboards and shove a hand down my trousers. She feels herself blush, and that's where he sort of loses it. His tone comes out bitter and biting and increasingly furious, and it in no way aligns with anything he's saying. I felt like I lost self-control. I was so ashamed of it, but it was also the only thing I ever wanted to do, and Merlin fucking knows I'd never seen anything as pretty as you. Her breath catches. He hardly seems to notice. You in those fucking ridiculous muggled jeans with your monstrous hair and your gorgeous little mouth. Fuck. I hated how it always used to be you. I lie right fucking here. He slaps the mattress and her pulse jumps. And do my level best to pitch a pansy in one of her absurdly short skirts, or Johnson that time I saw her changing after Quidditch practice. And I would just... He trails off, squaring his jaw and gritting his teeth as he makes the lewd up-and-down motion with his hand in favour of saying it. Then his eyes jump to hers, quick and unexpected, like the crack of a whip. But every fucking time my mind would just... Just fucking implode, and one second I'd be pansy up against the wall, and the next it'd be those fucking eyes. He points at her. An accusation. That fucking hair. These hands. He reaches out and yanks on one, making her gasp before he lets it drop. One second it's pansy, and the next it's you I'm on my knees for, and it's your cunt I can taste. Though I swear I never imagined you taste quite like you do. 
fucking hell. And you just fucking blindsided me. It's like one of his diary entries. Incessant, a furious, rambling, he can't seem to stop. I was supposed to find you repulsive. I was supposed to think of you like vermin. And yet here I fucking am, pumping myself fucking dry night after night. Wishing I knew what you felt like on the inside. Wondering if Weasley fucking knew what you wanted to be fucking sick. And to make matters worse, I still fucking hated you. I thought I was losing my mind because every time I looked at you with that superior little tilt of those fucking hips and those ridiculous fucking eyebrows, I could somehow simultaneously picture you making you writhe under me and kicking your fucking teeth in. Because I didn't know you. I knew absolutely fuck all about you, except that your blood was supposed to be filthy and that your eyes made my mouth water. Her cheeks are wet, and she hardly knows. And now look at me. He spreads his arms wide and gives a defeated, incredulous sort of huff. Now I do know you, and now I'm fucking hopeless. Now I don't lose sleep over missions, or marks, or my fucking father. I lose sleep over you. I'm wondering what happens to you if I ever fuck up again. If I'm already fucking things up just by being involved... You, you sit there after barging your way into my head, into my fucking bloodstream, trespassing, and you want to hear what I think. You want me to tell you you're pretty, so bloody beautiful I want to gouge my fucking eyes out. You want to hear that, after you took this stupid fucking organ out of my chest with your little fist and you just... He gathers his own hand into a fist. Just fucking squeezed until I look fit to burst after I begged you not to stand between me and whatever consequences I fucking earned after I told you I couldn't stand to have one more fucking thing weighing on my conscience after all this fucking pain you put me through you want to hear what I think he's panting when he finishes hands still pulled tight and a bloodless fist between them and she slaps the tears off her cheek as quickly as she can even as she knows he's already seen. For a moment, they do absolutely nothing. For a moment, it feels like nothing can be done. But nothing is not an option. Pain? she asks again, stupidly, into the raw silence. Yes, he breathes. Pain. She has to do it now before she allows herself to process what she's just heard and utterly break down. So she sniffs back the residual tears and screws up her courage, walking forward on her palms until they bracket his thighs beneath the sheets. All right, she says, and starts to tug them down from around his waist. What are you doing? Gone is the furious vitriol of moments ago, and now he's the one who sounds nervous. Tell me if this is pain. His hand shackles her wrist before she can slide the sheet down, those last critical inches past his hip bones, the smack of it loud in her ears. When she glances up at him, a question in her eyes, he looks suddenly young, boyish, frightened and unsure. She quirks a gentle brow, leaving the question unspoken, and he puffs out a breath he must have been holding for a while. Can you... Can you blame me for expecting you to bite? That stabbing pain in her chest swells, and her hand shakes a little as she places it on top of his. 
No, she says, slipping her fingers beneath his until they loosen and free her wrist. But I won't. His fingertips linger on her skin. It takes him a long time to fully let go, and when he does, she's quick to pull the sheet down the rest of the way, before either of them can change their minds. And even though at times it feels like she's been intimate with him in every possible way there is, this is different. She's never been in control like this, and it's so brutally obvious how much that scares him. He's still hard, the skin still as silky as it ever was when she dared to touch him before. But from the way he sucks the air in through his teeth as she wraps her fingers around him, it's clear they're both in the territory. He must be able to feel her trembling. She can certainly feel his, and she figures she may as well say it out loud, even though she's sure he already knows. I... I've never done this before. Glancing up at him as she manages a gentle stroke up and down, she clears her throat and says the words she's been hated to say before. But I'll try my best. In her mind, if the best isn't the end result, then she never really tried at all. But she's not sure that really applies in this situation. It doesn't matter, though. Before she can properly overthink it, he responds in a quiet voice that changes everything. I wouldn't know the difference. She can't stop the way her eyes pop wide. The way she blinks vacantly up at him for too many seconds. You've never... No. And she can tell by his guarded eyes he thinks she's going to judge, make assumptions. There's no way for him to know that ripple of selfish pleasure rides up her spine. Not until the small coy smile splits her face. And even then, perhaps he thinks she's knocking him. So she says exactly what she's thinking, and then forbids herself to stall any longer. Something of yours for me to take, then. I think that's more than fair. She dips her head, her lips only a hair's breath away. Don't you? I... She tastes him. Lets her tongs glide up his smooth, thick length. Slow, experimental. But from the way his spine lurches up off the bed, the way he gasps, it's like she's burnt him. Hermione waits with the flat of her tongue against the head, allowing him a moment to ball the sheets beneath him into fists. Then she decides she was too distracted on the first go to get a true sense of how he tastes, so she does it again. He groans, loud enough to give her a real appreciation for his silencing charms, and she closes her eyes to focus. There's salt and musk and a faint sweetness she never expected. It has her licking a third, long stripe upwards before she even realises, opening her mouth wider this time. And when she reaches the head, spurred on by the shifting of his hips, she gathers a deep breath and takes him into her mouth. It's abruptly and abundantly clear that nothing the girls ever said on those late nights in the dormitory was accurate. Oral sex is a privilege. She knows that in the instant he lets loose a guttural... Fuck! And tangles lazy fingers into her hair. And she commits herself to the intimidating task of making his first time unforgettable. Goes into it with an unmasked intent to ruin him for everyone else. Ever. And then it's just a fever of sound. His laboured, disbelieving breaths and profane, pleading whimpers. The wet, almost grotesque slurps of her mouth and tongue as she bobs her head up and down his length until her jaw aches 
the quiet rustle of her hair as he tugs it free from the conjured tie so he can gather it into her fist instead. The desperate choke in the back of her throat as she gags when he loses control, thrusting his hips against her face. The silent drip of sweat down her temples. Those soft, little encouragements he gives that she'll remember for the rest of her life. Because she's willing to bet that Draco Malfoy has never uttered the word sweetheart in his life. And yes. Fuck. Like that, sweetheart. Yes. Fuck. Just like that. Don't. Don't stop. God, the way he stutters. It's the side of him she never sees. Please. Please, I'm... Fuck. Fuck, I'm begging you. I... I have to. Please, let me. Please. And for some reason, it doesn't occur to her what he's asking for, until she feels the warmth as he comes down the back of her throat, bitter salt splashing onto the edges of her tongue. She wills herself not to choke, to wait to breathe, inhales through the nose and focuses instead on how beautiful he sounds, committing each of those dangerous gasps and ragged groans to memory. And when at last he pulls free of her mouth, panting, she makes good on a promise to herself and meets his gaze head on as she swallows, allows one stray drop to leak out between her lips before swiping it up with her thumb and licking it away. His eyes flash at the sight of it. Was that pain? she asks, voice more calm than she could have hoped for. A heavy breath blasts from his throat. Of a sort you can't even imagine. February 23rd, 1999. The soot-stained letter Draco finds on his sill the next morning is from Theo, and it's addressed to her. Granger, maybe you're all out of favours, but I thought I'd try for one more. I need to see her, and her probation doesn't allow for it without an escort. Bring Pansy to me. Please. Theo. Thank mm-hmm. you.